All right, well, he joins us as he does every Wednesday, and uh, it's Philip Malloy to talk uh, movies and television. Philip, welcome to the program. Thank you, George. Uh, to welcome you, you always, of course, get the Magnificent Seven, and mm-hmm. we played that for you. I've got another piece of music you might enjoy. Well, there you have it. Mary Poppins, um, they're going to make another Mary Poppins, you reckon? Well, they're, they're going to make a new... Uh, I mean, wh- wh- what's happening with Disney is they're using up every single possible sort of franchise possibility that they have. And uh, and what they're doing in this case is they obviously own the rights, and uh, um, we've we've had stories about how they got the rights uh, over a well, kind of protracted series of negotiations, but they obviously own the rights to Mary Poppins, and uh, they're going to uh, do an, another version uh, that is set, I gather, twenty years after. Uh, the events of the first film. Now, the reason for doing this is if they make a new movie, it costs 100 million, take 200 million and make a profit of 100 million. But there's a whole generation of children who haven't seen mm. Mary Poppins. Wouldn't they, like, wouldn't you just release it? I mean, they did this. Yeah. Obviously, there's a different market now because... Mm. They released the original Cinderella, the cartoon, which was made in the 40s or 30s or whatever. And they released that for decades afterwards, and new generations of children went to it and were entranced. Seven to eight years. It was always believed, especially with the Disney animated uh, pictures, it was always believed that they... They re-release them uh, every seven to eight years in order to get a new audience, in order to bring uh, you know kids into the cinema, bring them into Disney movies, and introduce them to these. So that that was the principle that applied. But they've gone away from that now. Uh, even though, uh, as I said, they're making, they're remaking, they're uh, developing, they're doing sequels to, they're doing prequels to absolutely anything that's out there. All right, uh, this is another bit of music. Do you wonder what do you think of this? I hope, I hope. Now, my point being, I'm, I'm actually reinforcing your seven or eight year series thing. Do you mean to tell me that the, my grandchildren have never seen this, I suspect, seven, uh, Snow White and the Seven Doors, because you can't say dwarf anymore. Uh, that's the other problem. They'll have to call them something. People have restricted growth or something. Uh, right? Yes. Uh, there's a play uh, been hauled in the UK being hauled off mm. the stage. You can't call them dwarfs. You have to call them Snow White and her friends or something. Mm. But anyway... I can't understand. I think uh, children will be entranced again with that stuff re-released. But there's more movies in in uh, gestation. One, one I'm really interested mm. in, uh, played by the greatest suntan that has ever appeared on on the film, uh, George Hamilton, mm. Evil Knievel. Mm. Well, you're talking it was about, a rubbish film, now, mind yeah, you. Yeah, it was, what, 2000? No, 1971. But they're going to make another one. What they're doing now is, uh, they're, um, in fact, there are hundreds and hundreds of biopics of all kinds out there now. And now and now this director, Darren Aronofsky, and he has a, a fairly sizable reputation. He did The Wrestler and he did Black Swan. 
And then uh, he was ex- he, he, he had a big sort of commercial success with Noah uh, two years ago. And he's currently in talks with Channing Tatum to star in a movie version, uh, a movie biopic based on the life of, uh, of um, Evil Knievel. Uh, Sony are doing it. They already have the rights of one book. They're in the process of negotiating the rights for a book called Pure Evil. And uh, so that's the, that's the intention. Yeah, a lot of people might actually remember yeah. Evil Knievel. This, this is a guy who, like, on a motorbike, uh, jumped over an ever-increasing number of motorcars. And then, of course, he'd try and jump over 21, but he'd only do 20. He'd hit the car and then yeah. he'd break a truckload of bones again. Well, I don't understand. I was talking to my wife about this last night. Um, the various Wikipedia and various other sites say that he actually broke bones 433 times. He's in the Guinness Book of Records for the number of bones broken. I don't know, I find it hard to believe someone yeah. actually surviving 433 You bones. would, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. Because when you think, you know, we've all broken bones at some point mm. and it's still kind of troubling in yeah. your old age. I mean, well, of course, he died 69, he probably died before the arthritis set in. Yeah. But I'm really interested in the third movie in gestation because it's an unlikely movie for America. What's that? Miss Sloan. Yes, it is unlikely for America and it's... Okay, uh, they've, I mean, they've, they've tackled in the cinema and especially in the last, say, two decades, they've tackled all kinds of subjects. But one, obviously, that they've run scared from is the question of gun control. And um, Miss Sloan is a movie, it's the star Jessica Chastain. I haven't seen what the, the male cast is likely to be at the moment. But anyway, it's about this fixer uh, based in a, a kind of an aggressive political fixer based in Washington. And he decides and she decides to take on the gun lobby. Uh, um, to kind of impose controls on the availability of of guns. And needless to say, it's been directed by a liberal English director, a guy called John Madden. But as well as that, it, it's, it, they, were, they were selling it. The Toronto Film Festival is on at the moment and they've been selling selling territories, as you know, uh, to various people at the Toronto Film Festival. And in this case, uh, Eurocorp. Eurocorp is a company that was set up by Luc Besson. Luc Besson is a fairly famous, he is famous, director, producer, writer. And um, so it's a European-based, French-based company. So you have this English director, European-based company doing the gun lobby in America story. Well, it's going to be very interesting oh, when well. it hits the the mm. circuit in America. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, you you it'll re- reach by and large a sympathetic audience in Europe. Mm. It'll reach a very different audience in America. I mean, you know? I mean, most people. Well, and a lot, a lot of people that you'd meet in sort of just everyday dealings. Um, understand the need to do away with. I mean, they they talk about the Second Amendment to the Constitution. Second Amendment to the Constitution is over two hundred years old, George. I mean, you might have been able to justify muskets and all kinds of stuff at that stage, but you can't justify. I think the same things now. You know. All right. You should do politics on Wednesday mm. nights instead of movies. You're very good at it. Listen to me. It'll be Bond all the way now until until Spectre is released. You've more news. Yeah, well, the the, the latest is that, um, as, as you say, it's due on the 26th of October, and the latest is that uh, was in The Guardian yesterday that it's likely to be the longest Bond ever. They're talking about 160 minutes. Uh, now, the, up to now, the longest was Casino Royale, that was ran for 144. And if you go right back to the beginning, uh, uh, Dr. No was a very, very modest 105 minutes. Now, 
you have a view, haven't you? We, mm. you I've listened to you over 13 years about this. Mm. A movie has to be very good yes. if you're going over 150 minutes. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that will be accepted. I mean, if, if you're going over two hours, you're, you better be good. You better, yeah. you, you better this have... This is over two and a half hours. It is. And uh, as far as I can figure out, this is only my view now. Um, I haven't seen it anywhere else or heard anybody else saying it. But one of the things they did, obviously, with Skyfall was they had an enormous success, George. $1.180 billion or something like that. The biggest uh, um, uh, movie ever released in the UK. Uh, an enormous success everywhere. And obviously what they're trying to do is... Maybe they, I presume they won't emulate the level of that success, but get up fairly close to it, five or six hundred or seven hundred uh, million. And obviously, and what they're doing is they're trying everything, exotic locations, huge action sequences, and 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 as but, well, they they presumably think that making it longer, giving it scope, giving it, you know. Yeah, but having said that, Skyfall yeah. wasn't a very good movie. Well, no, I'm interested in your view. No, no, I liked it. I again, I think it was long. But it wasn't a better movie than Casino Royale. No. No, I like Casino Royale. Of the, of the Craig ones. Craig movies, I, yeah. yeah. I think that's the best. Yeah. That's the, of the three of them. So, so this is uh, going to be, do you like Daniel Craig anyway? Well, okay, we've had this debate years and years and years and nobody, nobody will or has ever measured up to Sean Connery as far as I'm concerned. He really right. carried the part. He yeah. really carried the role so incredibly well and so, so credibly. And uh, uh, so nobody else. Um, but uh, and and I actually think that uh, Daniel Craig is quite a small, smallish guy. Yeah. I don't think he has the stature physically right. as well as everybody. I I thought I thought it was amazing that the franchise survived Roger Moore. I actually mm. thought Roger Moore was going to end the yeah. Bond franchise. Yeah. No, no, I, I that see. he converted it like to cartoon. Yeah, I see your point. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it was. I mean it was it, it was cartoon humor. Um, all through it. It didn't have the same kind of edge at all as you got from Sean Connery. You know? Was there any uh, more movie you liked any as Bond? Any more movie? Roger Moore. I suppose The Spy Who Loved Me is probably the, the best. Really? I didn't like any of them. Mm. I, 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 although I, I tell you what I liked him in. <laughs> it was the one with Richard Burton uh, out in Africa with Richard Harris, uh, mm. the whatever you call it. Mm. Uh, what was that called? It was called. Uh, yeah, I know. They were mercenaries. Yeah, do you remember? They were mercenaries. I do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, you've got a couple of movies to see. Uh, I suspect I wouldn't be paying admissions for these. Would you not? I don't think so. Okay. The first one is uh, just a couple. The first one is Everest, and it's the story. Um, of the 1996 uh, Mount Everest disaster in which eight people were killed and it's directed by this Icelandic director. Um, his name is Balthazar Karmakur and it focuses on the lead-up uh, over a period of a month, the lead-up to this kind of summit attempt. Then it introduces uh, the various characters and their positions and relationships and uh, and then um, you, you, we basically we get in into the the climb and we see the climb from the the point of view of two different units. So that's yeah. now the problem here, as far as I could see, the problem with the movie is pretty much the same uh, problem that they had with the climb in that there are too many people going up the mountain at the one time, and uh, they 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 uh, they encounter all kinds of problems. Not a great review but, but by the, you. But the big the biggest problem is a blizzard. Uh, an absolutely vicious blizzard that kills the eight of them 
And yeah. all kinds of actors in Not this. Not a great movie. All kinds of actors in this. Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Josh Brolin, okay. Jason Clark, Kieran Knightley, okay. Robin Wright, all of these kind of people. Not a great movie. <laughs> I I must say, I thought I was going to have to do a Jeremy Paxman there, ask it 10 times. The and, second, I, the second, and I'm not going to buy pay into the second one either. The second one is A Walk in the Woods. Now, actually, we had the the, the, the writer, uh, Bill Bryson, on the picture show on Saturday night, and he was very, he was really charming. And it's a kind of likable uh, journey movie about Bryson uh, undertaking the 2,200 uh, mile walk along the Appalachian Trail. Uh, the Appalachian Trail goes from Georgia to Maine, goes through 14 states in the United States. And uh, how, how long is it? It's 2,200. Wow. Okay. I've flown it. Does that count? You've, you've flown the Appalachian Trail. And <laughs> well, I've flown from Atlanta to what happened? What happened in this case was Bryson had been living in England for about two decades. He goes home and he decides to reacquaint himself uh, with his own country to go on this, this yeah. journey. And uh, the interesting thing here, George, is the... It's Robert Redford. Robert Redford stars in it with Nick Nolte. And the interesting thing is that Redford had bought the rights in 2005 of Bryson's book as a vehicle for himself and Paul Newman. Unfortunately, Paul Newman uh, quit acting in 2007 and he died in 2008. Oh. So uh, that was the end of that. But he had uh, Redford had worked with um, Nick Nolte on another picture. He was so impressed with him, he decided that he'd bring him on board okay. this thing so it's about these two it's a nice movie it's a likeable movie nice characters okay nothing now, explosive we, we received an email from Dominic in Calastra yeah. asking if we now he did say we he yes. didn't say you he said if the both of us remembered yeah. Robert Vaughan in Washington behind closed doors yes. do we what I'd and, say yeah and it so happens that uh, I have I ordered Washington behind no. closed doors on the 30th I looked it up this morning on the 30th of of August. It hasn't arrived yet. But anyway, it's a six-part ABC series based on the John Ehrlichman book, The Company. Remember Ehrlichman? Yeah. He was counsel to Richard Nixon at that time. And it, so it's the, the story of the, um, the, 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 the uh, Nixon government, the Nixon administration, um, in the lead up to Watergate. And uh, Jason Robards plays the president in it. Um, there are all, there's a but it, it, I always thought that a lot of the guys who play Nixon in the movies clearly don't like him. And no. I always get, they always seem to be liberals. Like, so Jason Robards, I reckon, hated Nixon. So he played Nixon the way he sort of hated Nixon, yeah. uh, if, if you know what I mean. Uh, Vaughn was, I thought Robert Vaughn was one of his, he played was one of, one of his great performances. Yeah, he played the Bob Haldeman character. Yeah, but he was slimy. No, he I'm, was yeah, so yeah, but slimy. Do you remember Hal, Haldeman? Do you remember the stories about him? He was, he was a slime ball. Yeah. You know, and the, the two sort of standout performances in it are his his performance. Although I think Jason Robert is very good as the president, but him and Nicholas Pryor. Do you remember Hank? <laughs> Nicholas Pryor, I never <laughs> got the credit he no, deserved. No, no, no. He was absolutely brilliant because I remember in the movie, in the first episode, like he, he gets the job in DC, in Washington, D.C. Uh, with his wife and he's thrilled and he's enthusiastic. He's going off in the morning and he's about to be... Uh, uh, yeah. they, they, they accuse him of everything. Anytime anything goes wrong, they attribute yeah. it to him. Oh, I loved it. And you're, I, I think I'll send away for it as well. Yeah. Now, we 
had an email from Tony Marr, who yeah. was a C Company, 7th Battalion FCA, Council's Barracks. Yeah. Uh, he points out that the Blue Max was made in Ireland 50 years ago this year. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, and there you are. There's, he sent in a picture. Um, uh, it was premiered at the Ambassador Cinema at the top of O'Connell Street. Sent us in a picture of the Ambassador at the time with all kinds of posters outside and a big World War One plane on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, and, uh, and that, that's uh, it's a biplane, yeah. you know, yeah. which which uh, with two wings. Yeah, yeah. Um, now there was a really interesting um, guy on that. The the guy appointed from the defence forces was a guy called uh, Captain Jack Phelan, oh. and and then Jack Phelan left the army and went in to uh, be a huge name in Irish film as a location and and production yeah. manager. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but that was Jack, and of course. We saw the wonderful Ursula Andress uh, in that. Um, George Pippard, uh, Ursula Andress, uh, James Mason, Jeremy Kemp, and one of your old pals, Anton Differing. Remember him? The, the yeah. guy who always played Nazis. <laughs> uh, but one of the interesting things that I, I found about this is that uh, there was only one pilot, um, and he was a he was a glider and an instructor, a fellow called Derek Piggott, and he was the only guy who was willing, uh, apparently, to fly under the railway viaduct at Fermoy in County Cork, which yeah. I presume you know about. Yeah. And he did it fifteen times during the course of the film. Wow. Yeah. Hey, listen, you've got a film, a, a Toronto Film Festival, a historical thriller, probably something I'd enjoy. Is it? Uh, the oh yeah no it is yeah it's it's about it's it's actually set um, in uh, in Denmark after the Second World War and it's about how uh, German POWs were forced to go out and to dig up using only their hands um, landmines uh, all over the place and they were put out to 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 bring to expose. Uh, 1.5 million landmines and it, it's considered to be um, a, a kind of a very dark moment um, in Danish history. So it's it's been uh, one of the most popular movies at the uh, tr- um, Toronto now, Film Festival. Now your, your pal Robert Redford you've talked about him in that Bryson movie yeah. The Long Walk and he's now going to work again with Jane Fonda. Yeah. Um, I, this it, is a bit like Fonda's father and Catherine Hepburn on Blue Panda or whatever you call it. Yeah, Two um, ancients getting together. Yeah, well it is in a, in a way although Redford looks very well. I, as I said I saw him in A Walk in the Woods he looks very well. He held together very very well and she has as well of course and it's what we're so all the videos she made yes and what we're talking about is our souls at night and this it's this bittersweet uh, uh, story of a widow and a widower um, in a small town who want to establish a kind of romantic connection uh, i just I, I was looking up um, some sort of background on it and there was an interview with her with fonda in vanity fair in which she said that of all the actors that she had acted with, the one that she most wanted to work with again was Redford. And she said, I love him. The only bad thing about Redford is that he doesn't like to do love scenes. And she said, nothing ever happened between us, but he certainly was a fabulous kisser. Now, do you know what I watched coming home from mm. Houston, Texas on Sunday night, Monday morning? <laughs> All the president's men. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> no, but I mean, it, like it was so. It's so long ago, yeah. and and I was reminded again who mm. Deep Throat was, Hal Holbrook, yeah. and Jason Robards was in it he also. He won and, an Oscar for it. Yeah, mm. and and I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I I'd seen it a ton of times. Now I want to ask you. And of course, Robert Redford is in that, and Robert Redford's company, Wildwood Productions, that made yeah. it. Yeah. Now we have filming on Skellig Michael. Yes. Uh, 
this weekend. Where do you stand on filming on UNESCO heritage sites? Well, I, 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 okay. To some extent, I can't understand it. I mean, there are all kinds of places that they could have filmed. Um, so this is the new Star Wars. Star of course, Wars, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the, the second one in the series. So I, I would live without it. I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're right. I mean, uh, but what we do know, I mean, you're looking at what Game of Thrones, for instance, have mm. brought into Northern Ireland. Yeah. The one thing about filming, the filming, the rings in New Zealand and so on, yeah. it, it has huge employment, economic and tourism spin-offs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the film industry, above all, is labour-intensive. Even in an era when we're doing so much with computers, it's labour-intensive. It yeah. creates jobs. And uh, and uh, 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 this country, north and south, seems to be benefiting. I mean, you you'd have been better off actually doing your catering thing now oh, yeah. than, you, than you were when you did Although it. Although I don't think I would have ever made money in any. Uh, well, listen, thanks as always. Yeah. I we uh, we never tire, of course, of Philip Malloy, um, but he's back on Saturday at six p.m. with could I, yeah, the could picture I show. Could I, could I just yes. say I'm really delighted that one of our guests is a guy called William Nicholson. Okay, he wrote Everest, but he also wrote Gladiator. Uh, he wrote Unbroken. Um, he did Shadowlands. Remember Shadowlands? Yes. He wrote the play version and the film version of that. So he's one of our guests uh, at six o'clock on Saturday. All right. Well, that's it for today. My thanks, of course, to Philip, as always. And his namesake, Peter Malloy, was the sound engineer with Michael Quilligan. The production team was Ema Roche, Joe Coffey and Alex Russo. I'm back tomorrow at 4.30 in the unlikely surroundings of uh, Arnott's menswear department. We'll have a special Rugby World Cup preview show. But, of course, we'll have the usual mix of news, comment and opinion. And a Angel Songs of 1969 with Bill Hughes. Now, there's a memorable year. Um, and from producer Mark Simpson and myself, it's good night and goodbye.